Let's uh, start as we always do in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, uh, that we this time that we have to come together as a church family to um, study your word, uh, to read your word, to uh, give you all the praise and the glory that uh, you deserve. I pray that as we come to the text now, that we would be able to learn more from your word and that we would apply it to our lives and live out your word in a day-to-day basis. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, this is part five, and this is the final part uh, in the sower and the seed. Uh, We have done a pretty in-depth look at it, looking at all the different types of soils. Again, soil represents man's heart. And so we're just looking at the kinds of people uh, that you're going to run into into this world as you go evangelize. And again, you're going to run into the paths, um, those who are unresponsive to the gospel, who want nothing to do with it, and they'll probably straight up tell you that. And then you have the rocky soil, which uh, may seem to uh, accept the word, uh, but after a time they fall away uh, just as quickly as they receive the word. Then you also have those who are in the thorny ground, uh, who the cares of this world, um, the deceitfulness of riches, they choke it, uh, and they too will eventually fall away. And that leads us all the way up to our text for today, which is verse 23, which let's just read again. Uh, We'll actually go back to verse 22. Uh, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundred, in another sixty, and in another thirty. We're going to start out by talking about good soil comprehends the word. Uh, and it says they were sown. Uh, that as for what was sown on good soil. Again, the same process for all of them. All of them are hearing the true seed that is the word of God. They are hearing the gospel. It's just how that soil responds to uh, hearing the word. And so they hear the word, and unlike the other ones, it takes a turn. Uh, He hears the word and understands it. Uh, But again, like all of them, the seed was sown. And we need to remember, I don't think Jesus was giving us a statistic for who would and who wouldn't accept the gospel. But in here, it is one out of four. Right? We've already gone through three different hearts that will not truly accept the gospel. And he gets to the end, and there is finally the good soil. And I only point that out because I think as we go evangelize, sometimes we can get downhearted when someone rejects the gospel. Um, sometimes we may think it's our fault, which we'll get into. Uh, there can be a lot of things that happen, but we need to remember 
even Jesus himself was saying, look, you're going to run into these people. No matter how good you do, right? You are sharing the gospel. You are doing it good. You're doing it effectively. This is still going to happen. There is going to be those paths, the rocks, and the thorny bushes. And the big thing is we can't let it, when we run into those people, let that bring us down and say, well, I just can't do it. I'm not good at evangelizing. I always tell people, you could do the worst gospel presentation ever, and God can still use it to save that person. So we need to keep that in mind. Um, So they were sown, um, but they hear the word. Uh, Again, we have to remember that it is God who is doing the work. I want to take you to Ezekiel uh, 36. Ezekiel 36, 25-27. And it says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your uh, uncleannesses, and from your idols I will cleanse you, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you uh, a heart of flesh. Uh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. The thing I want to highlight here is who is doing the work. Uh, and it is always God doing the work through the individual, through the soil. And we are pointing out and and going into great detail about the different kinds of people we will meet as we go and evangelize. But we need to always keep in our mind that even the path, the person who is most unresponsive to the gospel at first, it can still be turned into the best soil through the work of Christ. And so we need to be conscious of that, that people through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove that heart of stone. Uh, It is God who can change that heart to be the best of soil, and he will put that spirit within us. And that person who is so against everything that uh, all that truth will all of a sudden walk in his statutes and be careful to obey them. We need to, again, always keep that in our mind. I was thinking about even the rich young ruler, which we looked at beforehand. And I noted that everything that people would expect um, for someone who was saved was pretty much the rich rich young ruler at the time, right? He was young, uh, he was wealthy, um, but also, as he points out, he was obeying the law. Uh, He said, what else do I need to do? And Jesus says, leave everything and follow me. Um, But it's interesting because the disciples are the ones who say, uh, then who can be saved after he leaves? They see the dilemma again. Uh, This guy is doing what he's supposed to be doing. Who can be saved? If it's not him, then who? Uh, And his words, right? What is impossible with man is possible with God. Uh, That is, right, it is going to be God who does the work into the person and not the person doing the work to save himself. Salvation is always the work of the Lord. So they hear the word and again they understand the word. 
Mark says they accept it and when in his account, and Luke says they hold it fast in an honest and good heart. Again, unlike the other soils, through the work of the Holy Spirit, they hear, uh, as Jesus was saying, right? If you can hear, let them hear. And those who were hearing were doing so through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and they both hear and understand. And again, it is because the Holy Spirit was convicting them. And we need to turn to John sixteen, eight. John sixteen, eight through eleven, which says this: And when he comes, he will convict the world of the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged, right? And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin. Uh, It is, again, the work of the Holy Spirit to convict people of their sin. It is our job to proclaim the news. Again, I only point this out so much because we really do forget about it in the moment, in those times. So, when the Holy Spirit convicts the word, uh, convicts the person, they will both hear and they will understand and live out that word in their life. So good soil comprehends the word, that is the start. Um, But good soil also bears fruit. And I mentioned this in past, right? The big difference between the good soil and the bad soils is that the good soil bears fruit. Uh, The mark of, it is the mark of a true believer, I am always a little leery of those who say they believe and show no sign of fruit whatsoever. Uh, As we will see in even more depth, a believer should always be marked out by their fruit. You shouldn't have to wonder whether you can see fruit or not. It should be evident in their life. So the fruit is the mark of the faith, not so much the amount of it, um, but we'll get to that in a moment. And again, the bearing the fruit isn't the thing that saves us, and we need to be very clear with that, uh, as always. Uh, it is not by our fruit we are saved, right? It is we are saved through grace, uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. So I was thinking about that, and Ephesians popped out to me, Ephesians 2.10, which says, if I can get there, Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, right? We are... uh, We are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, uh, for bearing fruit, you could think about it. That is not the things that saved us. We are saved by Christ for good works. 
And when I was thinking about this, uh, this is actually the way it has always been. Uh, even in the Old Testament, I was reading some of the Psalms, and if you go all the way back to Psalms 1, which it's worth taking a look at, Psalms 1 even talks about bearing fruit. Uh, that idea, when you read the scriptures, it's all over. Uh, People are always marked out by bearing fruit. But Psalms 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. But his delight is in the law and the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. In all that he does, he prospers. Right? That same idea. A tree is going to yield fruit. Uh, you will be able to see that in their lives. And also Psalm 92. There's other ones. These are the only two I'll turn to. Psalm 92, uh, 12 through 15. Uh, the righteous flourish like the palm tree and grows like the cedar of Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. They still bear fruit in their old age. They, never, they are ever full of sap and green. Um, So age is no excuse. Uh, You are always bearing fruit, uh, no matter what age. Um, But that is the mark of the believer. And again, I shouldn't have to say it, but when you look through, especially Matthew, there is many times where you see that idea of bearing fruit. Um, But Matthew 12, 33, again, in the New Testament, for a reference there, you have... Matthew twelve thirty three. Either make a tree good and its fruit good, or make a tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. So Jesus even says it many times. A tree is known by its fruit. You will have fruit. Uh, and it's either going to be good fruit or bad fruit, but you'll be known by your fruit. And it was very interesting because I was thinking about it, and even as I look out here, right, in this analogy, you guys are all trees. Um, And as all of you are trees, the question is, what is your fruit? Uh, And how much fruit do you have in your life? Uh, All of us should be bearing fruit. Uh, Really, as I look at any believer, I shouldn't have to question whether they are a fruitful believer. It should just be evident in their life. Uh, and I'm saying all this fruit, and it'd be amiss uh, not to actually clarify what fruit is. And so we need to turn to Galatians real quick. Galatians uh, 5. That's Galatians 5 22 through 23. And so, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I'm actually just going to continue reading. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. When you look at a believer, these things should be seen in a believer. As I was reviewing my notes, I was actually thinking the qualities 
of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those should are all qualities that you want to see in everybody, but they are qualities that you need to see in believers. Um, so we should be exemplifying those things. So that is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, we're all pretty familiar with that. If you grow up in the church, you've probably heard that um, a bunch of times. But it is so very important. But there is also other things. There is the fruit of worship. Uh, if you go to Hebrews... And this is all the way in Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, 15. We read this. Through him, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Um, So you have the fruit of worship. Again, which we should be continually doing, not just uh, that singing time that we just had a few minutes ago, right? Worship is all the time. So we should have the fruit of worship. And then there is also the fruit of righteousness, which is in uh, Philippians 1.11, which we could turn to, but we won't for sake of time. Uh, but So we should be exemplifying those things all the time. The fruit of the Spirit the fruit of worship, and the fruit of righteousness. And I found this nice little thing. I was talking about the Christian garden. Uh, This is from the Moody Monthly. It says, and it's just talking about a Christian garden, it says, first, plant five rows of peas. Uh, Preparedness, promptness, perseverance, politeness, and prayer. Next, to them, plant Three rows of squash. Squash gossip, squash criticism, squash indifference. Then five rows of lettuce. Let us be faithful. Let us be unselfish. Let us be loyal. Let us be truthful. Let us love one another. And no garden is complete without turnips. Turn up for church, turn up with a smile, and turn up with determination. And so we should all have that Christian garden. And again, I just, uh, these are things that we need, we should be, as believers, exemplifying. Because ultimately, God will prune. Uh, And if you've ever been pruned, you know it hurts. Um, But it's ultimately for our good. Um, But the classic uh, scripture we're going to turn to for this is John 15. Uh, 15, and we're just going to look at verses 1 through 2. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be uh, bear more fruit. So there you have that actually separation that we've been talking about for a while. Uh, he, anyone that doesn't bear fruit, those are those who are the rocky ground, the thorny ground, the ones who say they believed, and yet it is evident by their fruit that they do not believe. And so what does he do with them? He takes them 
away. And then for those who are even bearing fruit, um, he, it says, uh, he prunes that they may bear even more fruit. Uh, he is always working us. When you think uh, you are on that spiritual high, God says, well, you can go even better. You can do even more. Uh, he is always pruning us so we can bear more and more and more and more fruit. So, good soil comprehends the word. Uh, truly, they truly hear it and they truly understand it. Uh, and because of that, that good soil then goes on to bear fruit. And then because of that, the good soil yields fruit, um, which is very similar. But the point is they do it in abundance. And when you're looking at this, this is not talking about how many seeds uh, an individual seed can yield. Actually, this is talking about the return on invig- uh, the original investment. Uh, so you can think about it. For every denarii that the farmer spent, he gained 30, uh, 60, 100-fold off of that. And so it's not just some profit he gains. He gained an immense profit from this. Actually, I was reading, there's a good example of this straight in Scripture. Uh, in Genesis 26, Uh, 12 through 13, it says, And Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich and gained more and more and more until he he became very wealthy. And so you have that example of Isaac. He gained a hundredfold, and he became wealthy. And it says he was blessed. And I point that out. Oh, and also... Very interestingly enough, the average yield was eight. So when Jesus says this, he is, when they heard 30, that was like, you know, they were like, that's great. (laughs) 60 is like, that's amazing. And 100% is like, whoa, that's like nuts to them. And when you're thinking about that, Every believer, the lowest number he gives us is 30. And again, he's not giving us exact. Um, But the point is that you should be fruitful. Uh, You shouldn't just be fruitful. You should be very fruitful. Even if you were that 30-fold, that is still very fruitful. People will look at you and see a difference in you than other people. And it's two different degrees. When you think about it, uh, he makes that pretty obvious. Some, again, just to put it in the here and now, some of you are going to be 30-fold, some of you are going to be 60, and some of you are going to be 100%. The question is, which one are you going to be? Uh, That is in your hands, really. Um, So... But regardless, uh, you shouldn't, you should still have an abundance of fruit. You will always have a good yield as a believer. But really, 
The question isn't is if you will have a good yield. The question is how good that yield will be. Because ultimately, again, a tree, as Jesus says, is known by its fruit. We already went to one passage that says that, but I'm going to turn to another. Seven. That's Matthew 7, 15, 20. Matthew 7, 15, 20. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. People all the time, I shouldn't say all the time, but quite often I've had, right, how do you know if someone's a believer or not? And ultimately the, the answer is you can't know. Uh, you can never know for sure. Only God knows who isn't, who isn't saved ultimately. But <laughs> there is kind of a little caveat to that. Jesus himself, you will recognize them by their fruit. Uh, If I don't see any fruit in a believer, that's a pretty good indication to me. And just in case 16, verse 16 there was enough, he says it again in verse 20, thus you will recognize them by their fruit. Uh, And so as believers, we need to be bearing fruit. Um, Because again, are grapes gathered from thorn brushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears fruit. Uh, and the diseased fruit bears bad fruit. So you will be able to see it. it will, you will recognize them by it. Again, a good tree will produce good fruit, and a bad tree, bad fruit. And sometimes that bad fruit even seems good, and then you dig a little closer and you realize that, that what seemed to be good fruit was actually bad fruit. There was a pastor of a fashionable congregation that startled his members one Sunday morning by flinging them a question. He said, what have you done today that nobody but a Christian would do? And that is today, and you might say, well, today hasn't been very long. I've been only up for like two hours. And so we'll just extend that time frame to say, within the past week, what have you done that only a Christian would do? So, uh, with that, we now hopefully have a good understanding of the four different kinds of people we will meet. And hopefully you are the good soil yourself, right? And as you go out into the world, you're going to meet people again who are the paths. That shouldn't discourage you. You're going to meet the rocky ground. That shouldn't discourage you. It's going to happen. It is sad, but it's going to happen. You're going to meet the thorny bush. That shouldn't discourage you. You're going to meet the good soil, and that should encourage you. And you should have joy. And you should celebrate with that person when that happens. And again, Jesus was looking out at his disciples and explaining that to them. And I just think about all of the things that the disciples went through, uh, all the times that 
um, Paul got kicked out of a city and he returned again. And he could have looked at that and said, well, they'll just never accept, right? He kept going back in because he said, there is good soil in there. I just need to find it. And even some of those people who probably kicked him out in the beginning, the next time he goes in and maybe they were like, I see something in Paul that I didn't see beforehand, right? God maybe changed their heart to good soil. In the end, I'm going to close with reading verse 16 in our text. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear us. Um, let us not forget the privilege it is to know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And let's go tell others about that good news. Uh, and with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we've had to uh, look at your parable of the sower and the seed. I pray that we uh, were encouraged with that, uh, that we would take that knowledge and we would go into the world and we would evangelize, remembering that we're going to meet those people uh, and we should always keep going back to them uh, and praying that you would change their heart to be the good soil because we know that uh, when anyone is saved, it is only through the work uh, of your son, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross and the conviction of the Holy Spirit in that person's heart. So I pray that you would uh, be with us, give us a boldness to proclaim uh, your good news wherever we go, and that we would be uh, extremely fruitful in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.